One of the things that stops small business owners from creating marketing content consistently is this feeling of being uninspired, of having no idea what to say in the first place. If you can relate to this, you are in good company. So many of us struggle with knowing what our marketing content should actually be about. But I am here to help. I have come up with 100 prompts that you can use to guide your marketing from your social media posts to your emails to your longer form content. I guarantee that these prompts will get you inspired and that you'll have more ideas than you even know what to do with. You can download this list of 100 marketing prompts for free at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100 prompts. That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100-P-R-O-M-P-T-S. Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 122. Today, we're back with this month's edition of Making Good Book Club, and we are talking about building a story brand by Donald Miller. If you haven't listened to an episode of Making Good Book Club yet, here's the deal. Making Good has a book club. Once a month, my brilliant book club co-host, Sherelle, and I discuss a book we think can help move the needle in your small business, and we'll share our takeaways specifically for small businesses. So today on Making Good Book Club, we're talking about building a story brand, Clarify Your Message So Customers Will Listen by Donald Miller. Story brand, as you might guess, is about story. It's about the universal elements of powerful stories, how we can all simplify what we're telling to our customers, and much more. We think this book can really change your business and your marketing, so I cannot wait to get into it. In this episode, we talk about the power of story and why it's so useful to us as marketers, the universal elements of powerful stories, the power of simplicity, who the true hero of your brand's story is, how to apply all of this to small business, some immediate next steps you can take, and more. Then at the very end of the episode, we announce our selected book for next month, so make sure to stay tuned for that. Just a quick reminder that if you want updates on book club, you can sign up to get notified at makinggoodpodcast.com slash book club. There's a bit of background noise in this one. Thanks to my sweet and not so angelic dog, Puff. I was able to cut out a lot of it, but unfortunately, you're going to hear a little bit of her barking in the background. Sorry. Okay, so let's get into this month's book club episode all about building a story brand. Well, Sherelle, welcome back to Making Good Book Club. Thank you for having me back. I am ready for this one. People are in for a treat today. (laughs) Yes, I'm excited we did this one. Um, We are talking today about story brand. Why did we pick story brand? Because this is about messaging and of all types of like, we were just talking before we came on about how marketing is so many different things. Um, But messaging is definitely one of those things that I think makes a massive difference. You can have like you can be amazing at what you do and you can actually have quite a good marketing strategy, but if the messaging within it is poor, you're not going to sell. So I think it's something that all of us can continually be getting better at. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like the book was really written in a way that illustrates the power of the methodology, I guess. Like I felt like it was so clear the way that it was written. It didn't confuse me. Um, use so many examples of stories to kind of explain the process, which really the book is all about the power of story and how 
um, one of the things, one of the only things that holds our attention as humans for more than like a tiny short time is through stories. So if you think of the example that like we can get lost for hours and hours and hours watching Netflix or watching something story-based in a way that we wouldn't be able to do if we were like reading a textbook, you know, about, I don't know, something that wasn't told in the same story format. And one of the big concepts in the book is the fact that powerful stories have a lot in common. They're not, it's not random that they're effective. They all share these elements that he identifies of what makes a good story. So um, the principle of the book is really that this power that makes, you know, TV shows and movies and books so engaging is something that we can use as business owners to um, make our marketing messaging more interesting and more, I guess, powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the idea, like, most people are quite aware of the power of story. I don't think we, in terms of when he starts to talk about story, the fact that actually even when we look at films, I think, what is it, there's seven main storylines. I think there's a book about that as well. So there's this idea that actually there's not there's not that much variation. So what he's really managed to do in this book is work out how, as business owners, we can follow a structure. And he's got what he classes as the simple SB7 framework. And really, it's like if you follow this structure, you follow that framework, then whatever story you're trying to put out for your business should attract people and should engage people. Yeah. So the framework, he, I just, I'm going to quote from the book directly because I think there's one sentence, one a little bit long sentence that really describes (laughs) this whole framework really well. So the quote is, in a story, audiences must know who the hero is what the hero wants, who the hero has to defeat to get what they want, what tragic thing will happen if the hero doesn't win, and what wonderful thing will happen if they do. Um, And that's kind of what this book is all about, is helping identify what that story is for your brand and um, figuring out ways to put that into your messaging. Um, One of my key takeaways from this book is... Some I, I maybe my number one key takeaway from this book is the fact that he makes the point over and over again very strongly that the hero in the story is not you. <laughs> it is not your brand. It is not your company. It's not your product. The hero in the story is your customer. So I think this is something that if you take nothing else away from this book, just looking at all of your marketing messaging, your website all those sorts of pieces of your marketing and asking yourself, is this about me or is this about my customer? And I think this is something that many, if not most businesses do wrong. So that was a really central and key takeaway for me. Yeah. What were your big ones? I mean, that is, I think that is definitely one of the, is one of the key things. I think my, my other big thing would be about like being succinct. He talks about it multiple times when just about like less words is more. And I think yeah. when it comes to words, it's really easy to feel like, oh, I think the bit where it really resonates to me is where he talked about when people say like, I've got a really complicated business, so I can't summarize it. And it's like, well, if you can't summarize it, how is anyone going to remember? And I really, mm-hmm. that really stuck to me. So that idea of, okay, how can you really simplify 
like what your business is and really be succinct with your messaging and like just that real thing about like yeah simplify succinct less is more and that's definitely was for me was one of the big takeaways yeah he had uh, one of the examples on that point that really stood out to me was the example of the like auto painting company yeah yeah so he said there was one of his clients who what they sold was they had different technologies for like painting things on automobiles and other technologies. And so at the, before they went through this story brand process, you would go to their website and it'd be like all this technical language, like we can paint this on this or this on this or this on this. And you would just go there and be like, I have no idea what any of this means. It's so technical. Whereas they're basically what they suggested was to change it to say something like, we put paint on stuff. Like that was literally their messaging tweak. And they, he asked like the members of the room, like, is that more clear to you? Does that communicate better what this company does? And everyone raised their hand, which I think just shows like, we always try to get fancy, but we put paint on stuff is literally as unfancy as you can get. And that's actually what's going to be more effective. So yeah, that's a, that was a really big point in the book. Um, he, he said that his company's motto is if you confuse, you lose. Mm -hmm. So confusion is our big enemy and simplicity is kind of the opposite of confusion and story is a way to make things simple. So that's kind of how all those things tie together. Yeah. And I think the the thing around like confuse, you lose where I think what stuck in my head was when I was reading about it, this idea like that when people are having to like trawl through information like we're making them work and the harder you make someone work, the more likely they're not going to do it. And so mm-hmm. actually like, that's one of the reasons why he talks about like simplifying is just like, you want people to be able to get what they need to get from you as soon as possible to make a decision before basically they decide this is too much work. See you later. And we can see that so much when it comes to websites. Now, I think where people are you just like, mm-hmm. I don't know if, if you can't like land on it straight away and know that it's for you, then you're just going to leave. Right. Yeah. And he makes the point that like, it's not the most beautiful website that wins. It's the one that's the clearest. And while like, we're all about great design (laughs) and, you know, ideally it's beautiful and it's clear, but his point is that it being very, very clear is the most important thing. Like that needs to be prioritized above everything else. Another thing that I, thought was really smart just to this idea of simplicity is he quoted Alfred Hitchcock and who said a good story is life with the dull parts taken out and this is about like having a filter of what to include so I think sometimes we just want to put everything in there and something I took away from this book is really when we're telling a story or we're putting our marketing messaging together or whatever it is it's important to ask ourselves with every element like is this contributing towards something or not. And if it's not, just cut it out. Like basically cutting and editing ruthlessly is part of this process. Um, yeah, which can be very, very hard. But asking yourself with every piece of the puzzle, like, is this serving the greater story? If it's not necessary, take it out. Yeah, I mean, I think editing is definitely not most people's strength at all. <laughs> but um, that that sort of practice of looking back through things and being like, is everything required? And like you said, getting rid of all the dead weight. Mm-hmm. Another thing about this 
framework that we'll talk about is he suggests, so he calls it the brand script, right? Yeah. Um, so the brand script is essentially kind of like a one page write-up of you looking at your business through each of the seven steps in the framework. Um, and he suggests that we do this for, yes, for your business, like, first of all, for your business overall, but then if you have different divisions of your business, you could do it, you could do it on a more granular level too. So for example, the way that I would apply this to a small business is I would do a brand, like, let's take my stationary business, Good Sheila. I would do a brand script for the stationary business overall, Good Sheila. But then I would probably do individual ones for my wholesale program where I'm selling to stores and they have different like needs and, you know, their problems and what my products can help them with is different from when I sell directly to consumers through my website who like they just want a card, you know, they have different needs and um, the elements of the framework are going to be different depending on who the ideal customer is. So I think the way that we could all apply this is like, if you have wholesale or retail, for example, or if you're a service provider and you sell a group program and one-on-one services, like there's, when you're thinking about, I think some of the reason that we can have that thing, like you were saying, Cheryl, where we're like, well, my business is too complicated. Like I can't sum it up in just one thing. Well, he's saying you don't have to, you should have one overall for your business and then getting specific within each maybe it's a product suite or revenue stream, whatever it is, getting really specific for each of those. And that will help you with the individual messaging for those categories. So I thought that was a good point too. Yeah, no. And if if you um, do decide to like get this book, basically like the brand script, you can like download it online. So you can have it like printed out or you can have a computer that you can start filling it in. And so the idea is then you have this one pager that you can sit with anytime. So then the next time you are, going to write a sales page or something or you are going to write a social media post for either like you said a revenue stream or the specific service or product you can have that there with you to make sure you're like your messaging is correct so it's definitely a book that whilst it you're meant to be reading it you are meant to be doing it alongside creating this brand script so that you do leave by the end and at the end of each of the chapters for the seven main sections he tells you like exactly what you should be filling in so it's definitely not a like it's definitely one where you they, if you listen to an audible, you will need to also get a pen and paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Although there is a link that they give you that if you have the book or if the audible probably also links to that. So yeah. um we're not gonna say it just just because <laughs> it's probably not allowed if you don't buy the book. But yeah, it's just a one pager essentially. You might even be able to find it online that it shows you like walking through each of these seven steps and what information you need to really get distilled and clear on for each of them for your business. Um, should we talk about the framework? Yes, let's go for it. Dun, 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 dun. The, the SB7 framework. Yes. So I would say just to lead into this, I did. I highlighted another section, which was he said, every human being is already speaking the language of story. So when you begin using the SB7 framework, you'll finally be speaking their language, which I thought was really clever way to kind of frame it. So do you want to ask, maybe we can just alternate. Okay. Do you you want to kick off? Yeah. So number one, the first thing you need to work out is the character or a character. And this is where we talked about the hero and it's the customer is the hero, not your brand. 
And so the first thing you need to identify is just like who exactly your customer is. But also what we want to be doing is we're using this as like the beginning. So we want to also have a really clear focus on like what their desire is, because what he talks about is how us all having a desire is one of the reasons why like we do anything basically. Um, it's like if there's no desire, then no one's going to take any action. So you have to be clear not only about who you're selling to, but what the desire is of that individual at the point before they use your product or service. Yeah, totally. Um, so the second step in the framework is the problem. So one important point they make about this is that a lot of companies try to solve external problems Mm. but customers have internal problems like trying to think of a really clear example of this um basically we need to be really getting clear out like what's going on internally for our customers what can we help them with internally what like problems are they experiencing and we need to be talking about that internal problem not the like here's a new I don't know, piece of technology for your car. That is the external solution. We need to be talking about the internal problem that would motivate them toward that. Um, So they say that the problem is the hook of the story. And the more that we talk about the problems that our customers experience, the more interest they will have in our brand. Um, Part of this, they kind of use the concept of a villain so every story has a villain, and a, but a villain doesn't have to be a person. A villain can be not having enough money at the end of the year or your car breaking down or a villain can be just some, it can be anything that is a problem essentially. Mm-hmm. And they use, they, he used a lot of good examples about how, if you think about like popular advertising you've seen, this idea of a villain, like personifying a villain is really, really common. Like I'm thinking about like cold medicines where they turn like the bacteria into these like little evil creatures in your lungs, you know, and like they really, they really make it a person in a way. Um, And so we can learn from that in that we can describe whatever the problem or the villain is in our, in the business that we're solving for people, we can kind of personify it and give it characteristics um, and really position that as the enemy, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. The thing for me about the billion, I like really could think of when I was reading that section, I could see how other businesses do it. And I think the thing as well is because we're talking about like the hero having to overcome. So like if there's a problem, obviously they've got to overcome something. But when there's a villain, there's that like tug of war between two people. So I think that's why whenever there's like the personification, it just helps that sort of juxtaposition between the good, the actual hero of the story and them, that there's this battle. And then we can, I feel like, be more invested in the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we've got the hero, we've got the villain now, so we've got the problem, and then the person meets a guide. So this is what your business should be. So the customers are the hero and us as a business are the guide, which means we are going to be there to help them overcome that problem, to help them overcome the villain. And this, I mean, for someone like me in a like service-based business, it like makes perfect sense. And I was like, oh, this, this bit, I can work it out and see how that works. But I think as um, Lauren said at the beginning, it's all about 
you just have to have not made that mistake in the beginning of putting yourself as the hero. So as long as you put your the customer as the hero in the beginning, I think it makes sense to them how you can fit your business to be the guide in the story. And they talk about there being like two main characteristics of a guide. And so that being about empathy and authority and to be seen as a really good guide as a for the business, we need to make sure that we are able to show both of those two things within our communications. Yeah. And I actually thought the suggestions for how to do both of these were really practical. So he said um, to show empathy, it's language like we understand how it feels to dot, 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 or nobody should have to experience dot, 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 or like you we're frustrated with. So this language that really shows this like, yeah, empathy and this like common understanding and compassion for what your customer or hero is going through. And then in terms of ways to demonstrate your authority, um, he makes the point that like, there are things that are much more powerful in demonstrating authority than us simply saying like, we, you know, (laughs) believe us, we're experts. So the examples he gives were to use testimonials because what is better than our happy customers talking about our business Um, statistics about results that we've been able to generate awards we've gotten and like logos of businesses we've worked with. So a lot of these are like external credibility or social proof. Um, So yeah, I thought that was a really practical section of the framework. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's practical most of the time. I think it's quite, they definitely are, like you said, very clear depths. That's a really good example of it, but there's definitely throughout the book is really trying to help you to be like, implement it as you go along like what to do what to do this is how to do it mm-hmm. yeah so the fourth step of the framework is a plan the guide should give the hero or the ideal customer a plan and a plan can clarify how someone can do business with us or remove the sense of risk for someone and i thought that a really clear way to think about this was Basically, after seeing our marketing, people are thinking, what should I do next? And it's our job to answer that question really clearly. So there's kind of two sections here. Like first, I can't remember the words he used. Um, So the process plan and the agreement plan. So the process plan is more around like what steps the customer needs to do to buy our product or to use our product after they brought it. Whereas the agreement plan is sort of like the promises that you say what what they're going to get when they um, when they work with you. So yeah, it could either be something like specifically what they've got to do after, or what you're agreeing to. So actually, when anyone has something like a guarantee sort of plan, like that would be classed as an agreement plan because you're sort of saying up front. So obviously, this is like this is a big thing for services being like. People don't know what they're getting. So you're sort of trying to make it clear what the plan is, what they're going to get, what the process is, so that people can like have confidence in what they're paying for. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then once we've got the plan, we then have to call people to action. It says, customers do not take action unless they are challenged to take action. So this is just basically like you need to ask people to place an order. You need to be really clear. You need to have like, buy now. <laughs> You need to make it super obvious to people 
that this is like what you're doing. And you just say there's two types of call to action. So the direct call to action, which would be the buy now, schedule an appointment, call today. But then there can be transitional calls to action. So this would be other smaller commitments. Um, and so in this, it talks about how you might be inviting people to like watch a webinar, download a PDF. Um, so definitely, I suppose, like for me, this was all like very familiar in terms of when people are teaching people like how to do like um, sales funnels and just get people to like get onto your email list and take first actions. And, you know, we all know that you don't necessarily, someone doesn't buy from us straight away, but we want to be able to continue the relationship. So that was the difference between having a directional call to action and a transactional call to action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the point that he, they made in the book really, or he made in the book really strongly was um, that people don't take action without prompting. Like mm-hmm. we can't just wait for people to decide to take us up on the plan. We need to repeatedly over and over again, request that they take action. And you might feel like you're going overboard with it. And probably if you do feel like you're doing it too much, you're probably doing it just the right amount. Um, the quote that was in here was those who ask again and again shall receive. (laughs) So I think that was really important is just being willing to not just make the call to action once, but over and over again. Yeah. We can never Um, beat ourselves too much. Yeah. The sixth step in this framework is that taking this action helps them avoid failure. So there needs to be something at stake. Um, This is really all about that our marketing needs to answer the question, what's at stake if they don't take action? What is this person trying to avoid happening? For me personally, this is a bit of a sticking point because (laughs) this is all about using fear basically to kind of scare people into, into scaring people into like, what will happen if you don't buy from me essentially? So while I believe that this is probably very powerful using fear to motivate people. I think we want to be careful about how we do it because I think we've probably all been on the receiving end of marketing that uses fear that doesn't feel good. You know, like for me, what always comes to mind is like weight loss marketing is like, if you don't buy this program, you'll never change. Your life will just continue to be more and more horrible. You know, like that kind of marketing, I don't think is ethical. So I'm... I would love to hear where you land on this, but this is one section of the book that while I get that it's super powerful, I just want to encourage everyone to like use thoughtfully, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that you, uh, (laughs) that you would have a bit of a problem with it. I think it's definitely something a lot of people, I think really do sit on the fence around like this level of like using fear as a tactic to help encourage people to take action. And I think it's like you said, like it's about using it like responsibly. I think we do have, there is a, I think it is good to make clear what happens when people don't take action. I think that's fine. But I think, they, but obviously, like you said, you can push it too hard. And I do think there was one bit where you mentioned it. And I think it's that sometimes we never mention it. Do you know what I mean? I think there's a difference between people that's like every single post that you're ever posting out, every single email is like, if you didn't buy this, your life, like you said, like your life's going to be horrible forever, et cetera, et cetera. Versus just being conscious that, you know, have I ever mentioned actually what the implications are if you don't take action? I think particularly if you generally do have a business where there's no, um, 
like it is totally evergreen like there is literally never going to be a reason for someone to buy over another time but I don't see sprinkling it in through your marketing from time to time as being an issue yeah yeah I think the the thing with like ethics and marketing is that we all have to figure out where we sit on it there's no to my understanding at least there's no like this is ethical and this is not ethical um so I think if it feels kind of gross to you then that's probably a signal that that's not the right approach and maybe there's a way to soften it or um the way that I kind of try to handle this is like I never try to suggest that I am the only solution to this problem you know um I think yes like for example my membership program there are ways to do consistent effective marketing that don't involve joining my program my program is a solution to it. But mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where things can get sticky is if you're presenting it as here's this like really negative future that we're instilling fear for you around. And the only way to not get that future is to buy this thing. That yeah. I think is a little suspect. No, I would agree um, with that. Cause I think there's actually, you no. Know, because I would be the same as you being like, you know, I'm all for like really encouraging people to be consistent with their marketing, but there, I know that there's 10, 20, 30, 100 different ways to do that. So I, I mm-hmm. agree with you in terms of there is a difference between painting a clear picture of what happens and not taking action and saying that then you are the only solution. Like actually what we're trying to do is, because inc- even actually I do that on like with sales calls where I'll say to people, she's like, I am not really that bothered if people don't book with me. But what I want is if you actually have made a decision you want to grow, you need to do something. Like, and I don't mm-hmm. actually mind if that means you've spoken to me and now like, I'm not the person to help you and you go with someone else or you join, like you go to a course or you, you know, you do some, something else entirely, but I'm like, do something. Don't just actually sit here. And then a month later, be like, my business is in the same place because I've done nothing. So I think that's yeah. the thing is like you said, don't position yourself as the only answer, but I think we can be clear that not taking action does have implications. But I think sometimes yeah. we just have, we have the reverse, don't we? We just think well, if I'm not doing anything, I can't be doing anything wrong, but actually you can be doing something wrong by not taking any action. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Right. (laughs) And then last (laughs) but not least. Leave it to me to find something to rant about. (laughs) And last but not least, step number seven is it ends in success. So um, never assume people understand how your brand can change their lives. Tell them. And this bit was really about um, having a very clear picture about where the customer will end up after having like worked with you. Like, so what is the end? What is, you know, if we think about the film, what is that happy ever after? Like, that's what we're going, like trying to paint that picture. Yeah. And there was a grid that he shared in this section. Mm -hmm. He actually, he's credited Ryan Deese or Dice of Digital Marketer. Um, So I'll see if I can find that and link it in the show notes because I thought it was really a great exercise and I'll just try to describe it, but it'll be better if you can see it visually. So check the show notes. I'm sure I will have found it, but um, essentially it's a grid that says in one column before your brand and in another column after your brand. And so you want to answer these before and after questions for the following questions. What do they have? So what do they have before your brand? What do they have after? What are they feeling? What's an average day like? And what is their status? I thought these were super smart. Mm -hmm. Um, Just kind of ways of thinking about 
the transformation that your product or your service is going to deliver for someone. Yeah. And I think quite often, you know, other books have spoken about transformation. I think if you've heard about it before and you struggled, this is a really good framework to actually work out what am I trying to say is going to be the transformation? Like what, where were they before? Where are they after? And so your transformation is you help them move from A to B. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's the framework. There's a little bit more in the book. Um, mm-hmm. There's, for example, there's kind of a chapter about putting it all together with your brand script. So again, there's this kind of one pager document that helps you just line up this whole story for your brand. And then when you have it, what do you do? So one of the, one important thing to do or his kind of recommended first step is to start with your website and to really make this story clear throughout your website. Um, So an example that he gave was for like uh, some kind of hospitality business. Maybe it was a hotel before the brand script exercise, the photos on the website were like all about, you know, showing someone at check-in and different like features, I guess, of the hotel itself. Whereas afterward, they realized that what they're all about is delivering luxury and rest. So they changed all their imagery to be like, you know, lush towels in the spot by the spa. So that basically... (laughs) When you're looking at their website, you're putting yourself as the hero into the story and kind of imagining, okay, I'd go to the spa, then I'd go have this like, you know, long, relaxing lunch. And so kind of helping people put themselves into the story through the imagery, I thought was, I guess I just really liked the point that this isn't all about words, that images Mm. have a lot to say about the story that we're telling also. Yeah, no, it definitely isn't just about the words. And I think the that when he talks about imagery as well, we talk about like, that's why virtually every single website should have happy people on because we want to be showing basically the end. Everyone's happy. And too often we can have images that are much more functional um, rather than actually helping people to understand how they're going to feel from what we're doing. And actually, if you like, there are some type. I think some industries do do that quite well, that they really do tap into like the feeling that they want companies and people to feel afterwards. But, I think a lot of us make the mistake of having very like practical feature-based imagery rather than being like, this is where you'll be at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another point that maybe just kind of like a miscellaneous point that (laughs) I took away was this concept of like aspirational identity. So basically smart brands understand who their hero wants to be and kind of infuses that into their marketing. So he uses an example of like this particular knife, like hunt. I don't know if it was like an outdoorsy pocket knife or something he didn't need, but like all of their marketing made him feel like he wanted, like if he had this knife, he'd be like rugged and outdoorsy and like, you know, just kind of played into this like aspirational vision he had for himself. And so he ended up getting the knife and it was like, you know, he, he likes it and it like makes him feel a certain way. So being able to kind of tap into that, like aspirational dream of who our customer wants to be is a really smart thing to tap into in our marketing. 
Um, and this kind of relates to how does your customer want to be described by others? Just thinking about that can help you with this like aspirational self. Um, and then one more just comment I wanted to make was that one thing about the guide is that they come back later to affirm the hero's transformation. Mm. So like getting in touch with your customer afterward to be like, you know, I think this is really obvious how to do it with a service-based business at the end of working together. You could be like, this is all the things that have changed for you. Like, wow, what an amazing journey. Um, I'm struggling a little bit with a product-based business, how this like transformation, how you affirm the transformation, but it could be as simple as like a series of emails being like, here's how to take care of your, like, you're the owner of this beautiful thing. Like, here's how to take care of it. I'm not sure. I'm still processing how you would do that as a product-based business. But I think that that concept of like affirming the transformation for them is really smart. Mm. No, I really like that idea as well. Definitely was something that I thought, I haven't really heard about that too much before. It's definitely one of the things that I really thought, hmm, that's something different for me mm-hmm. to think about. So I'm glad you brought that one up. And then I think another one of the, like in this closing section, which was much more about like, I suppose also like the implementing was to go even further than just having this brand script, which was to try and make it more succinct. I was like, how could we make it more succinct? And have a one-liner for your company. Um, and I was like, oh, see, classes, it also talks about how um, a film will have, like, a screenplay will have, like, what's classed as a log line. And that is, like, it's a simple one-sentence description that's used for, like, all the, like, like previews and like leading up to like the opening stuff and so it's like how do you create that for your business and so for him you just still down the stuff we'd already talked about and we go back to just having the character the problem the plan and the success and he like gives you some examples but then he's basically like write it and memorize it like read it over and over and over again so that literally it just rolls off the tongue you can say it super quick that's just what you can do um, and that's definitely mm-hmm. something I'm going to try to do. <laughs> yeah. Much easier said than done for oh, sure. Yeah. Hence why I'm not giving the example. <laughs> <laughs> he does give some examples. Yeah, yeah. Um, and one thing I liked in this section was that like a really great one-liner includes imagination and intrigue. Like it should feel kind mm. of exciting and interesting to hear, not just feel like kind of bland corporate speak. Some of the other, this is the story brand marketing roadmap section. So the one-liners was was really kind of, I think, the highlight of this section. But some of the other things that he was suggesting to do would be to create your lead magnet. He calls it a lead generator. So having a really smart way of getting people on your email list, create an automated email drip campaign. And so this is like, you know, an automated welcome sequence, for example. Um, And I I feel like the story-related part of this is really to use that series of emails as a way of kind of telling the story. Yeah. Collecting and telling transformation stories. So um, being sure that we're always collecting testimonials and reviews and getting really strategic about how we ask people to say, to tell those stories um, so that ideally they're kind of showing what the before and after is. Um, And then I really liked his making the point about creating a system for referrals. So he is just emphasizing, which I totally agree with the fact that referral based marketing is very, very powerful. Like your happy customers are going to be able to 
send more potential customers to you way better than most people could. So um, giving them and just flat out asking people to refer your business and possibly even incentivizing it somehow is a smart idea. Let's talk about how this book relates to small business. I think this is kind of the section of our book club conversations where we make it relate if it doesn't already. (laughs) My take on this is that I do wish he had used more examples from smaller businesses. There's a lot of like Apple and nationwide insurance and that kind of stuff. But Overall, I think everything in the book is applicable to small businesses. And I think, yeah, aside from the examples that he shared, I don't think there's anything in this book that's like off limits because it requires too much budget or requires you to work with a fancy organization. Like this is all stuff that we can do ourselves, which I really loved. Yeah, no, it's very much a DIY book. And even though it's not it's quite interesting because actually there's a there's a little chapter that is clearly positioned for bigger businesses but that felt when I was reading it that felt a bit weird so that would suggest that I felt as if at least at least it was aimed more at like like SME sort of size even if it's not small 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 because mm-hmm. it when he talked about actually how do you story brand to within an organization and so all, all of your employees are on the same thing it felt like it was really having to like emphasize that point how it's used differently which made me think oh I must have felt as if the rest of the book was meant for smaller companies if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah I think it was very very DIY friendly that's a good way to put it and essentially it is like the DIY version of what the author does in like his workshops with maybe mm-hmm. bigger more resourced brands so yeah, I think it is geared towards small businesses. I just wish there were more specific examples from yeah. small businesses that weren't like talking about Super Bowl commercials. It's like, okay, <laughs> I'm not advertising at the Super Bowl. Um, what would be one action step you would give people who read the book and wanted to implement? I think to actually do the script, like I, I'll be really honest. Like I said to Lauren, I read the book years ago. And I'm, if I wrote it down, it doesn't exist in my world anymore. And I think it's mm-hmm. easy when we read books. Um, and I, I, when I finished it, I was saying I've been trying to sit down and actually do it. I think when things are like, it does require a bit of time. And so it could be easy just to like skip past it, but actually sitting down, getting to the point where you have that one pager that you're happy with. I, I do believe it would make a big difference. I think even if you then, don't use it every single day and everything. I think it's a really good reference point to go back. And I think particularly when you are, if you're thinking like introducing something new, like if you do have a new division, a new service, a new revenue stream, et cetera, I think it's actually going to be a really good exercise to, to go through. Yeah, I I would say my action step is the same, but I'm going to give, like if someone just isn't going to do the whole brand script, um, <laughs> I would, for me, what I thought was like the absolute most powerful part of it was just this idea of getting really clear on your customers before and after your brand. Mm -hmm. So what does their life look like before in every way you can think of? And how does the experience of buying your product, working with you, joining your program, whatever it is, how does that create this like after transformation? And what does that look like? And the more specific you can describe that I think the the better your marketing will be I agree 
Um, perfect. But yes, I, if you can find the time to do the brand script exercise, I think that, I think also it would be really powerful. I would like to do it myself. My problem is every time I want to do something like this, I'm like, well, I have to do it for all three. And that feels like this big task, (laughs) but. Well, maybe you choose it for the one that at the moment you feel that you're the least clear on your messaging with. Yeah, that's a good idea. Good idea. Maybe it will happen. Hopefully it will happen. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about our next month's book choice. What did we choose? We have gone with Everyone Should Be a Millionaire by Rachel Rogers, which I am really excited to read because I'm always in love with a money book. (laughs) Um, So the subtitle, so it's We Should All Be Millionaires. A Woman's Guide to Earning More, Building Wealth, and Gaining Economic Power. And I have not read this yet. I think what I understand about this book, not having read it yet, is it's really, it's about not having resistance about making money because understanding that having, earning money gives you economic power and using that power can help you like make the world a better place, essentially, and make it a more fair and just place. Um, So it's really especially geared towards women and people of color. I know there's a lot of examples of people who are not typically represented in money books um, and their kind of success stories. So I'm really, really excited about this one. Was I read it, but I read it. I actually did. There was like a little series that went happened around the launch last year. Um, So it's been about a year since I've read it. So I am going to give it a reread. I think it might sit differently a year later. Yay. Yay. Very exciting. Well, Sherelle, thank you again, as always, for having this conversation with me. I always love hearing your takeaways. And like as marketers, I always feel like we're coming from a similar point, but we we each have our different takes. So I love I love hearing the way you process everything. So thank you for doing this with me. No, and I'm glad to add a different angle, even if sometimes it challenges you. <laughs> <laughs> I like to be challenged. So thank you so much. I loved this conversation with Sherelle. Building a Story Brand is one of those books that is so clearly applicable or DIY friendly, as Sherelle smartly said. We can all go implement it now, and I hope that many of you do. Sherelle and I both want to hear from you. What did you think of this book and our takeaways? Do you agree, disagree, have something to add? Or did you do the Story Brand exercise? We want to hear from you. Connect with us on Instagram. Sherelle is at Sherelle Griffith, and I'm at Lauren Tilden. Notes from this episode can be found on the show notes page at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 122. Our selection for next month is We Should All Be Millionaires, A Woman's Guide to Earning More, Building Wealth, and Gaining Economic Power by Rachel Rogers. This book reframes how we can think about money so that more people who are often underrepresented in positions of economic influence can step up and create a better world for ourselves and those around us. I cannot wait for this conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful to have your support. Here are three ways you can give back to making good. One, I would be honored if you would leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast player. I love reading these. If you have a friend you think would enjoy the podcast, send them the link. The link to this episode is makinggoodpodcast.com slash 122. And finally, I would love for you to take a screenshot of your podcast player while you're listening and tag me on social media at Lauren Tilden and also Sherelle at Sherelle Griffith. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business.
talk to you next time.